into your throne of grace. Father, we come to the time that we are to hear a word from you, your chosen vessel, for you shaped for this purpose. Pastor Walker, Father God, you have control of him today because you're sovereign. And you're going to have him glorify you today with the message that you have given him. Father God, set him on fire from head to toe. Let your Holy Spirit, Father God, get excited. And just like Elijah, Father God, let his heart flip within him, Father God, because of your wonderful, wonderful presence. Let your message edify today, Father God, as well as judge correct and set us on the right path. In the name of Jesus, amen. As we stand and see in the presence of the Lord,
learned that, and so I'm happy uh, that we had a nice turnout yesterday. One of the things that God wants us to do is to trust in Him. I said one of the things that God wants us to do is to trust in Him. I was looking at Dr. Yusuf this morning and he was in a sermon series and he was talking about the title of the sermon was sermon series was uh, counting the stars in the, in the sky. Talking about the faith of Abraham. And I started thinking to myself, and I said that Abraham had that kind of faith. You know? And Abraham wasn't a supernatural person. He was a person just like me and you. Amen, somebody. But he just trusted the Lord in all things. I want to talk about a little bit this morning about unbelief. One of the dangers in the constant unbelief in the Word of God or or in the one whom he sent to deliver us, Jesus, is that it can go from temporary to eternal consequences over the course of time. God has given all persons, whoever they may be, the ability to communicate with him. And he does it in various ways. But at least in three ways, he does it through natural revelation, through special revelation, and through the Holy Scriptures. Those are some of the three ways that God will communicate with God. There are many more. But the natural relations with the things that we see, the sky, the, the rain, the sun, the trees, uh, whatever. When we look at them, we know that there's a God. No one has to tell us there's a God. We know there's a God. Then there's a special revelation where God speaks to our heart. He calls out special people. He just speaks to their heart. And they know that something is going on. They might not know exactly at the time of God, but they know that there's something going on inside of them, and they continue to ignore it. Amen, somebody. Amen. I've said all the time, don't ignore what God has put in your heart. Do not ignore that, that little fuzzy feeling you might feel in there. God is trying to communicate with you. And he also does it through his holy scriptures when you read the word of God. Uh, God sends you other places through his holy scriptures. Uh, holy scriptures is, is God's revelation to us. From Genesis to Revelation. Uh, he closed the book of Revelation. There is nothing else. That is it. Some of the other ways he communicates with us is through prayer through other individuals and through circumstances. So you see there are many ways that God chooses to communicate with us. And he does this on a regular basis. I said he does this on a regular basis. 
We just ignore it. When I say we, I don't mean, of course, none of you in here, but people that know it. Amen? We know that something's going on, but we kind of just brush it away as a funny feeling or something. Amen, somebody? Now, if those who he is constantly trying to get their attention keep ignoring his calling them day after day and month after month and year after year, then there will come a time where they will be where they will be unable to communicate with God and they will have hardened their hearts towards God and therefore sealed their destiny. You see, if you keep saying no, 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 there's never a yes in there, no, 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 I want to do it my way, there'll come a day where God will take his hand off of you and say, well, do it your way. Doesn't take a rocket science to figure this out. God even left it in his word. In Romans chapter 1. Here we come. You might as well turn your Bibles to it so you won't say that I'm making up anything. Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. We'll conclude verse 25 for the sake of time. Romans chapter 1. Begin with verse 18 and conclude with verse 25. You have it, God? Make sure you have it. You have it, just say amen. Amen. Paul says, God's anger is revealed through from heaven against all the sin and evil of the people whose evil ways prevent the truth from being known. God punishes them because what can be known about God is plain to them. For God himself made it plain. Ever since God created the world, his invisible qualities both his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen. They are perceived in the things that God has made. So those people have no excuse at all. Those people have no excuse at all. They know God, but they do not give him the honor that belongs to him, nor do they thank him. Instead, their thoughts have become complete nonsense, and their empty minds are filled with darkness. They say they are wise, but they are fools. Instead of worshiping the immortal God, they worship images made to look like mortals or birds or animals or reptiles. And so God has given those people over to do the filthy things that their hearts desire. And they do shameful things with each other. 
They exchange the truth about God for a lie. They worship and serve what God has created instead of the Creator Himself, who is to be praised forever. Amen. That's God's word. I'm just waiting here for a moment. But Paul goes even deeper than that. For while he was in the city of Athens, he talks to the Athenians in Acts chapter 17, verses 30 through 31, where he says, God has overlooked the times when people did not know him. But now, he commands all of them everywhere to turn away from their evil ways, for he has fixed a day in which he will judge the whole world with justice by means of a man he has chosen. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising that man from death. Yes. That's what the Holy Scriptures tells us. Scriptures does not lie. And so we all know there's a God. And even more than that, we know what God requires of us. In our text for today, Jesus leads the people because even after the many miracles he performed among them, they still would not believe in him. And a text from the book of Isaiah is used to show why they did not believe and to condemn their unbelief. And our sermon text for today also tells us why they act like they do in their unbelief. So today we are going to receive a lesson in unbelief from God's Word. And so I want to talk to you today and want to use it as my title in a form of a question entitled, God Hardens Hearts. God hides hearts. Our text will be the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 36b through 43. Verses 36 and 41, we will look at what the, prior, what the prophet Isaiah saw. And in verses 42 and 43, one of the reasons Mankind hides their own heart. Lift the highway, if you please. This again is the Gospel of John, beginning at verse thirty-six B. The starting phrase is after Jesus. So we'll be reading to verse 42. Uh, 
looks like we have. I'll begin reading the unbelief of the people. After Jesus said this, he went off and hid himself from them. Even though he had performed all these miracles in their presence, they did not believe in him. So that what the prophet Isaiah had said might come true. Lord, who believed the message we told? To whom did the Lord reveal his power? And so they were not able to believe, because Isaiah also said, God has blinded their eyes and closed their minds, so that their eyes would not see, and their minds would not understand. And they would not turn to me, says God, for me to heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Even then, many Jewish authorities believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they did not talk about it openly so as not to be expelled from the synagogue. They loved human approval rather than the approval of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father God, we thank you for this time, and I ask, oh God, that you would glorify your name, magnify your name, and exalt your name through your word today. I ask that you would use me, oh God, to lift you up today. I ask that your spirit would move through the pews, oh God, and that you would touch somebody's heart, that they would get a revelation today, that somebody would get a breakthrough today, Father, that they might know that you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that you're the God of the living, not of the dead. And so, God, use us, oh God, to glorify and magnify your name. It is in the blessed name of Jesus that we say thank you. Amen. Again, as normal, as usual, I'll go through the text, uh, then expound verses 36b to 41. Uh, Sermon tells us after Jesus said this, he went off and hid from them. He hid himself from them. Even though he had performed all of these miracles in their presence, they did not believe in him, so that what the prophet Isaiah might, uh, said might come true. Lord, who believed the message we told? To whom did the Lord reveal his power? And so they were not able to believe because Isaiah also said, God has blinded their eyes and closed their minds so that their eyes would not see in their minds would not understand. They would not turn to me, says God, for me to heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Before we get into our text, I want to expound a little on what did Isaiah see? What did Isaiah see? In Isaiah, the sixth chapter, verses one through five, Isaiah tells us this here. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on his throne, high and exalted. And his robe filled the whole temple, and around him 
trained and creatures were standing, each of which had six wings. Each creature covered its face with two wings and its body with two and used the other two for flying. They were calling out to each other, Holy, Holy, Holy. The Lord Almighty is holy. His glory fills the world. The sound of their voices made the foundation of the temple shake and the temple itself became filled with smoke. I said, there is no hope for me. I am doomed because every word that passes my lips is sinful. And I live among a people whose every word is sinful. And yet, with my own eyes, I have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. That's what Isaiah saw. He happened to be in the temple that day. God revealed this vision to him. You see, Isaiah was a righteous man. By him being righteous, God decided to use him for to be one of his prophets. And he showed him this, this tremendous vision. Isaiah never forgot that vision and set Isaiah on the road as a witness for the Lord. Amen, somebody. God, right now, God wants to show somebody a vision. He wants somebody to see his glory. You see, our God is always looking for somebody who will witness for him. And I'm not just talking about from Genesis to Revelation. I'm talking about living a life that God is pleased with. For I am convinced that if we live the kind of life that God would want us to live, then God will surely bless our lives. There are times when things come in our lives when we get distracted. There are times when we get off the paved road and go on the old bumpy road. There are other times when God will direct us back onto that road. But I say to us this today that we must never ever lose hope and trust in our God. I don't care what we're going through. There is nothing too hard for our God. Isaiah found it out. All the rest of the prophets found out that God can be trusted and God is faithful. God knows what's going on in our lives today. He'll know what's going on tomorrow. He knows what's going on next month or next year if he allows us to live that long. Isaiah saw this vision and he took off. And I say today that God is looking for other Isaiahs. 
Someone who will trust in him and believe in him. Amen, somebody. Now let me say this concerning unbelief in Jesus. It has deadly consequences. Anyone who consistently heard the word of God and has spent time in prayer and Bible study and who knows the gospel of Jesus Christ and still does not believe in him senses themselves to spiritual death penalty. They sentence themselves to a spiritual death penalty. God will take his hands off of them and they will be blinded. You see, when Jesus walked this earth, large crowds followed him, not so much that they believed in him and what he stood for, but he could do something for them. He could heal the sick and let the blind see and let the lame walk. They were all looking for that. Jesus knew this. That's why verse 36b of our text it says, and Jesus went off and hid himself from the crowds. Continuing on in our text, it also says, and I paraphrase, even though he performed all these miracles, they still didn't believe in him. Every day, God performs a miracle in our lives. Miracles with an S on the end of it. Every day, every day, God wakes us up every morning. That's a miracle. God just doesn't wake us up every morning so we can just enjoy the day. He wakes us up so he can use us. Come on, somebody. When we get up in the morning and go in the bathroom and pick up the toothbrush, God has blessed us with the strength to pick that toothbrush up. When we look in the mirror, God has given us the eyes that we can see ourselves in the mirror. When we go to our places of employment, God has given those places of employment to us, whether we believe it or not. It was because of God that you're employed. Yes. And all these things and many more, we talk about our families, the children he has given us, and our mothers, and our grandmothers, and our grandfathers, and all these things, God has blessed us. All of these are miracles. They're all miracles. And God does this on a consistent basis, daily basis. It seems that every now and then we should say, thank you. I don't mean every now and then, I mean every day. We should say thank you. You see, so it's, it's easy to get used to 
having good health. It's easy to get used to having a job. It's easy to get used to having no problems in the We can get used to that. And then when something happens, we blame God. I tell you today, God is worthy to be worshipped on a consistent basis. We ought to take time. Even if you're running late, you ought to take time to pray to God and to worship to God and to read some scripture. You ought to put time in your day to do that. Now the interesting thing about these people's unbelief in our text was so that God tells us was so that the prophet Isaiah said might come true. So John starts quoting Isaiah 53. And John goes on to say in verse 39 40 of our sermon text, which was taken from Isaiah 53. And so they were not able to believe because Isaiah also said, watch this, God has blinded their eyes and he had closed their minds. He's talking about the Jews back then. Why? Because they wouldn't believe. Of all the miracles that God had put them through, coming through the Red Sea, doing all the stuff that God brought them from slavery and all that stuff that God had put on them, they still would not believe God. And God said, I hide your heart and I'll blind you until it's time for me to bring you out of your blindness. God had blinded their hearts and closed their minds and ears these and hardened their hearts so that their eyes would not see and their minds would not understand and they would not turn to me, says God, for me to heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw the glory of God in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 23. Our God, our God. Again, Jesus says that people would not believe so that what the prophet Isaiah said would come true. So the question is, does God harden the people's hearts so they would not be saved or healed? The answer is no. The reality is that people harden their own hearts. I said, people hide their own hearts towards God. You see, people can live in a state of unbelief for so long that their hearts become so hard that just the name of God or His Son Jesus has no impact on them whatsoever. You can walk up to some people now and say the name of Jesus doesn't mean a thing to them. They'll turn around and laugh at you and say, get away from me. God has no impact on some people that the name of God means nothing to them because their hearts are hardened and their minds are in darkened and their eyes are blind. They have no idea of what's going on in the spiritual world. None whatsoever. God has blinded their eyes and closed their minds to the teachings and the ways of God. And on their own accord, God didn't do it. They did it because they wanted to. God is 
constantly calling out the people on a daily basis, constantly. Everybody knows right from wrong. I don't care who they are. Everybody knows what's right and what's wrong. God has instilled that in them. They can make excuses, but they know. And there's some people that say there is no God. <laughs> they don't believe that themselves. Now, so when God says, God has blinded their eyes and closed their minds, he means they have blinded their eyes and closed their minds to the ways of God. I want to give you an example of this here and, and uh, let us consider Pharaoh's actions in uh, Exodus, uh, the seventh chapter to the twelfth chapter about the plagues that came upon Egypt. Now it is true that God used the plagues to give glory to his name. That's true. And God used Pharaoh's stubbornness and it's stubborn hot to accomplish that. But please know that God is not going to stop anybody who is serious about having a relationship with him. Let me say that again. God is not going to stop anybody who is serious about having a relationship with him. We can come down this aisle and fall on in this chancel area and say, God, I've sinned. I've tried to do it all on myself, but I realize now that I can't. I'm calling out to you. I don't have anybody to turn to, and I am serious about giving my life to you. Take my life and use it to your glory. If we were to do that, God would lift us up off that chandelier and from that moment on, your life would be changed if you really meant it. Because God can read all hearts. He can read all spirits. Pharaoh constantly, constantly rebuked God. Constantly. The reason why he did it because he was king and he was ruling over people and he liked that. Don't we like it when we're in charge of something? We've got somebody under us and we just try to lord it over them? Well, that's why Pharaoh was. He enjoyed doing what he was doing. He wasn't going to bow down to any god. Of course, God gave him a lesson at the end. And unfortunately, as we all know, his son died. The same thing can be said about Judas Iscariot in the Gospels. In reality, God did not choose his destiny. God knew about Judas. And the scripture says that they were going to use Judas to give God glory. But at any time that Judas had to fell on his knees and worship God, God would reverse that. Judas' problem was, this was Judas' problem. While all the apostles were in Bible study at Jesus' feet, 
Judas is off somewhere counting the money. When he should have been learning what Jesus was all about, he was distracted by worldly things. We have Bible study all the time. We, we, we have it every Wednesday. We have prayer meeting on Thursday. Two or three people come, maybe four at the most. And I'm talking about being the presence of the most high God. God knows what we do. And he knows how serious we are about things. We can't fool God. The other apostles at his feet. And they learned about Jesus. But Judas had an unresponsive heart. And if you can't read the scripture, you'll understand. When, Jesus, when Judas had an unresponsive heart, guess what happened? Satan slipped in. It's in the text. Satan slipped in, and that was it. That was the end of it. You see, if you don't keep God close to your heart, if you don't keep the Holy Scriptures close to your heart, if you don't keep prayer close to your heart, if you're not constantly worshiping and, and glorifying God, if you give Satan one, one sliver of an end, and he'll slip in. None of that is worth it. None of that is worth it. tell you there's danger in continuing to reject Jesus and his blood of salvation. There is a certain point when a hardened and unbelieving heart passes where there is no turning back. In the Revelation the ninth chapter, verses 13 through 21, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. You can read when you get home. God releases with unleashing his anger in revelations in the tribulation period. And he took away a third of mankind. There were still some people who would not turn to God even during that tribulation period. They, after all they seen, the skies darkened and the stars falling from the sky and all the, the wrath of God coming on earth and they still wouldn't believe. They still had an unbelieving heart. So there are some who will not get there no matter what they do. Again, a person can be in their unbelief for so long and so high in it that they cannot escape from it. And it is then when God will take his hand off. When you become so high to God that nothing moves you spiritually, then you are in deep, deep, deep trouble. You're in deep trouble. Now I want to look at one of the reasons some people's hearts are high. Some of the reasons. One of, one of the reasons, I'm sorry, some people's hearts are high. In verse 42 and 43 of our text, it tells us even then many Jewish authorities believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they did not talk about it openly so as not to be expelled from the synagogue. They loved the 
They love human approval rather than the approval of God. Amen, somebody. If you are on your job or wherever you are, people ought to know that you are a child of God. You shouldn't have to tell them. They ought to know just by looking at you and your actions. One of the obstacles that stands in the way of people exhibiting their faith is within them. There are some people who come to church and worship God, praise the Lord, glory to God, and hallelujah, and all this here, and just, just doing all this stuff there. And when you see them outside, you'll never know that they're a child of God. God sees all of that. We call those church Christians. Of course, none of you, but you know, there are, there are some church Christians. They are more concerned about what people might think about them than they are about eternal life. Just think, no human being has a heaven or a hell to put us in. That's God's domain. Whether they like us or not, that's God's domain. God makes those decisions, not them. Why should we worry about somebody's perception of us? Come on. They cannot assure us of eternal life. They cannot give us peace that is beyond human understanding. They will not give their lives for us. And they will love us, it's true. But in most cases, only when it is beneficial to them in some kind of way. And for the most part, they are dependable as long as it does not interfere with their schedule. But Jesus' schedule is our schedule. He's always available. When we call him, there is no busy signal. He will answer us no matter what time of day or night it is. When our cell phone batteries run down and we have to recharge them, this is not so with Jesus and his battery in our lives. Stop, stop again. You know, and every time she stopped, when she when she stopped, 
I said, now you get to the next stop, and I'm going to be praying to you the next stop. And when I knew she was going, I prayed to God from, from one stop to the next. I prayed, and that's how she got to her station. Every time, I, I just prayed. I said, God, take care of her. And, and, and she got on through it. God heard my prayers. God heard my prayers. That's how God operates. God heard my prayers. See, I don't have to be there with her. Because I know that he's there with her. So you don't have to worry about your children because you know that God is there with them. They can be a thousand miles away. Doesn't make any difference. God, a thousand miles means nothing to God. An angel moves faster than the speed of light. She down, had an accident. I won't say, was it head on, Brenda? It was going to head on to the side, to the side or something like that. But anyhow, uh, she got out there and got on the curb and called her mother. But I'm convinced that, that God saw the accident and he sent an angel in between the two cars to buffer it. So, so nothing no harm would come to her. Again, I don't have to be there. God is there. Telling you, it's God that we serve. It's God that we serve. If we would only, if we'd only believe and trust in Him, not only for our sakes, for the sakes of our children and our families and our husbands and our wives and our fathers and our grandfathers. And you all know that when someone here gets sick and we start praying for them, and when the saints get to praying, things start happening. I know somebody can testify to that. If somebody said, well, my so-and-so is sick, I said, okay, call the prayer warriors, here we go. Father, somebody is sick in our congregation. Somebody needs your attention in the congregation. And God hears the prayers of the saints. He hears the prayers and he dispatches his healing power. Somebody know what I'm talking about. That's why we're a praying church. But if we don't know, we can't pray. If we don't know, we need to know so, so we can pray. We don't need to know what's wrong. We just need to know what somebody needs us. Bill Smith was out there laying down. We prayed for him. Prayed for him too. Took the EMS all this time to get there, but we prayed for him. Hallelujah. Bill's no better today. Lord, here's our prayers. God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. You see when, you see these people, they, they worship the creation rather than the creator. We don't worship clothes, we don't worship cars, we don't worship God. We worship God, the creator. Consider Nicodemus chapter 3 of the Gospel of John. He was a great teacher and a Pharisee. He came to Jesus at night. So the other Pharisees could not see him. He believed in the words of Jesus but was scared to embrace him in the open because of the other Pharisees. And Jesus gave him a Bible lesson that he never forgot. And during the end of the during the end of John chapter 19, verses 38 through 42, he got together with Joseph and Mary Matthew and, and buried Jesus, which tells us that he started coming out in the open. One of the reasons why some people fail to be faithful to God 
and his son Jesus is found in verse 43 of our sermon text where it says they love human approval rather than approval of God. We don't have to be afraid of people. They're only people that flesh and blood. They can't do anything. The key to overcoming the concerns of people's perception of us is, is how to not be concerned of getting their approval. Follow me with this text here, Matthew chapter 10, verses 26 to 31. To go here right quickly before we close here. Matthew chapter 10, verses 26 to 31. Go here right quickly for me. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. Our master. They have it to say amen. Do I hear amen? Jesus says, so do not be afraid of people. Whatever is covered up will be uncovered. And every secret will be made known. What I am telling you in the dark you must repeat in broad daylight. And what you have heard in private, you must announce from the housetops. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of God, who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Now watch this. For only a penny, you can buy two sparrows, Yet not one sparrow falls to the ground without your father's consent. Yes. Not one sparrow falls to the ground without your father's consent. As for you, even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So do not be afraid. You are worth much more than many sparrows. You see the birds flying around all the time and, and God cares about them. He really cares about those little sparrows and birds and whatever about them, whatever little animals out there. He cares about them. And just think about how they, you know, how they care about them. Have you ever wondered the squirrels and all that? you ever wondered where they go in the wintertime when it's, when it's threatening below zero? They don't have a furnace. They don't have a home. They don't, they don't have no electric heaters. But God has made them in a certain way that they can survive the winters. It's not pleasant. It's hot sometimes. But they can survive the winters. God has placed in us, watch this, God has placed in us a spirit that we can survive the hostilities of this world. God has put that spirit in us. The spirit is in us already. And all the stuff that comes our way, that's thrown out at us and thrown our way, we can survive it because the spirit of God lives within us. We get in trouble when we depend on ourselves instead of the spirit that's in us. The spirit of Jesus that lives in us, Jesus lives through us. We are to surrender. That's why we surrender. Because Jesus lives through us. We don't live our life. Jesus lives our life through us. Let the Spirit move you. 
Listen to the Spirit when the Spirit tells you. A lot of times we don't listen to the Spirit. We go our own way. God is not going to stop us from doing what we want to do. He'll just let us go ahead and do it. But we know when God is speaking to us. We know when God is speaking to us. We just don't want to do it at that time. So let us be sure that we do not hide in our hearts towards God and what He requires of us. Instead, let us give Him praise at all times. To Him be the glory. <laughs> to Him be the glory. Woo, hallelujah, somebody. Glory to God, somebody. Hallelujah. He is worthy of all praises. We ought to have, we ought to be able to stay to our lives now and we can come in here. We won't have to hear a sermon. We just come in here and give God praise for a whole hour. Just praise and glorify and magnify and exalt His holy name. Just go and just give Him praise. We ought to be able to come we can do that. We can praise God. Just give Him praise. When we look back over our lives, we understand what God has done for us. You look at the situation in our world today, there's people right now living under bridges on cardboard boxes. There's people now who haven't had anything to eat. There are babies starving in the third countries of the world. All these things are, are going on in our world today. We ought to pray for them. We don't have to know their names, but we ought to pray for them that God's grace and mercy might rest and abide upon them. We ought to stop thinking just about ourselves. God already got us covered. He already says you're already covered. I want you to get out there. I want you to fall on your knees. And I want you to pray for somebody. And stop thinking about yourself all the time. Get out there and pray for somebody. I bless your life. And now you can be a blessing to somebody else. Fall on your knees and pray for them. Pray for them and I'll hear your prayer. And I will send them relief. The church is supposed to pray. Church is supposed to help people. This is supposed to be a refuge for people. It's all right to do the things we do. There's nothing wrong with that. But God wants us to stop praying and getting on our knees and pray. We're not called God's house of prayer just to put a name. We ought to pray. We ought to pray. God said that my people will hear me. If my people will pray to me, if my people will pray to me, I'll do this. If my people will pray to me, I'll do that. If my people will pray to me, I'll do that. We ought to pray. We ought to pray. We ought to pray. We ought to pray to our God because he's able. God wants us to pray to him. You see something going on on your TV or something in the paper where people are hurt like that. Don't just say, oh well, pray for them. They're God's creation. Pray for them. God expects his church to pray. Expects his church to pray. God has given us our homes, our lights, our computers, cars, our health, our strength. God says, I got you covered. Pray for somebody. Pray for somebody. Fall on your knees and pray for somebody. Excuse me, some man says, come on a chance. Don't pray for yourself when you come up here. Pray for those little children that don't have no food. 
Pray for those people who are sick or going through fourth stage cancer. Pray for them. You don't have to know their names. Just pray for them. Light up God's telephone today. Light it up.
Thank you for keeping us. Thank you. I ask of God that you would redirect our minds. Help us to realize, oh God, that we are children of the Most High God. Help us to realize, Father, that it was you, it was you, it was you and only you who has given us this life that we live. It was you that has given us the provisions that we have. With you, Father, who given us, who kept us in reasonable health and strength. It's not ourselves, it's you, Father. It was you, Father, who put a band of angels of protection around our families, around our mothers, our fathers, our grandfathers. We thank you, God. We ask for God to give us, Father, for second only of ourselves sometimes, Father, but help us to understand, Father, that there's billions and billions of people in this world, Father, who needs prayer. Help us to pray, Father, because the church is the only people that can pray that it can get through to you through Jesus Christ. We have a responsibility, Father, to your creation, oh God, for you created them and you set us here on this earth, Father, so that we can be ambassadors for you, oh God. So help us to pray, Lord. Even when we don't feel like it, help us to pray. Help us, oh God, when we get up in the morning, Father, when our feet hit the floor, to say, thank you, Father, for getting us through last night. And when we feel pain in our body, Father, help us to say, thank you, Father, let me feel that pain because I know I'm alive. Help us, oh God, to realize, Father, that you have our back, oh God, that you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. You said that, Father. Help us to realize, Father, that you, Father, work behind the scenes, Father. We don't even see what you're doing, but we know, oh God, that if we stay true to you, that you'll stay true to us. And if we don't stay true to you, you'll still stay true to us. And so we thank you, God. We thank you, Father. Help us to have a faith of an Abraham, Father. Help us to look up at the skies, oh God, and help us to, to, to see the skies, Father, and to realize, Father, that there are many blessings that you have for us, oh God. But help us, Father, to humble ourselves. Help us to get involved in Bible study and prayer meetings, oh God, because we need to get close to you, Father. Help us, oh God. Pray for those, Father, who were in the chancellor all through this sanctuary, oh God. I ask, oh God, that your spirit, oh God, would move to their hearts, oh God, and that you would move them, oh God, that they might know that they are in the presence of the most high God. Let them know, Father, that you love them, Father, and set them on a path, Father, that they might know, Father, that you're with them. We thank you for the many blessings, Father, that you have given us, Father. We know that there's a lot of work for us to do ahead, Father. So strengthen us, Father, as we go forward, Father. And no matter what happens, we're going to put our belief and hope in you. And only you, for there is no God but you. You are the one and only God, and there is no other. You are the one that created the heaven and earth and all it contains. You are the one who spoke the universe into existence. You are the one who hung the stars and the moon and the sky to illuminate the skies, Father. You are the one that carved out the valleys, and you are the one, Father, who leveled the plains. You are the one who formed the valleys. You are the one who gave light to the birds. You are the one who created the animals that roam our planet. You are the one who created the winds that swirl around our planet, Father. You are the one, you are the one. 
exalt in your name today. And to you, Father, as we prepare to close this prayer, we ask, oh God, that you would give us a strength, that you would give us that attitude, and that you would help us, oh God, to be your ambassadors in a way that glorifies and magnifies your name. Help us to help somebody, call somebody, tell us that you love them, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It is in the blessed, holy, and the matchless name of Jesus that we say thank you, thank you, and amen. Hug somebody, hug somebody, hug somebody. Amen. Amen.